Welcome to On Strategy Showcase, where you hear the backstories and see the creative work shaped by some of today's best strategy client teams. Uh, periodically, we'll do episodes with thought leaders or some folks who maybe have authored a book. And um, uh, today we're doing something similar to that. We're actually talking with Julian Cole, who is a strategy trainer and founder of the Planning Dirty Academy. Uh, Julian sort of has discovered, uh, like so many of us who've been in this business for a while, that there's this significant gap and a great desire amongst many strategists for more formal training, building up skill sets uh, to help them be better planners and to help them uh, sort of develop in their careers. Um, so uh, Julian has actually developed the the Planning Dirty Academy. Uh, you can connect with the academy. At, I think it's planningdirtyacademy.com. And um, it's a it's a terrific resource for those who are kind of coming up in the industry and those who just want to improve their skill sets. Whether you're a social planner, whether you're a brand strategist, whether you're a comms planner, um, you will find uh, interesting and useful information uh, in all of the content that Julian has sort of aggregated and and sort of um, um, you know. I think he's he's really shaped it into in terms of modules, various modules that make up a really interesting curriculum. So so do check it out there. I had come across Julian a couple of years ago. Uh, he was incredibly generous to uh, to everybody who was connected with him on social platforms in sharing various periodic decks that he would he would publish. And so the academy is now sort of all of that aggregated onto one site, and you can access all of that content if you become a member of the academy. So um, we're going to talk today about um, about the background, about the academy, about uh, the way Julian sort of uh, structures the whole experience. Julian comes from a, a strong background. He's come out of uh, BBH in New York. He's originally from Australia. Uh, he's worked in New York at BBH and also was uh, head of comms planning at BBO Worldwide in New York City. One other thing I wanted to mention before we start the interview is that we are now offering On Strategy Showcase live as a live event. And while we can't do these events live in person, we are offering them as sort of a, a live event virtually. So if you have an existing event that you're structuring or you have the, the, uh, the interest in structuring event around a showcase recording, uh, we can do that in introducing uh, various strategists from your local market, interviewing clients, interviewing the creative people, and the strategists behind some great work from your markets or from outside of your market. We can have those conversations. More information on that is on the website, on strategyshowcase.com. So this is Julian Cole and the Planning Dirty Academy. Enjoy. Welcome, Julian. Thanks for, thanks for, um, Joining me, glad to have you on. Um, I think I came across you first through um, listening to Mark Pollard's Sweathead podcast, and I, I I really liked the the episodes when you and he would sort of riff on a brief, and I particularly remember one about lamps that you guys did. I think it was a lamp, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah. And you guys uh, sort of talked about how this lamp. Um, how a brief might be written around this lamp. And I think that was the first in, in sort of many episodes that you guys, uh, I don't think you do it anymore, but you used to riff on that for a while. It was really, it was fun to listen to. So it was kind of cool that that was the way I met you or heard yeah. of you. I feel like there was, so we did a thing called, I guess it was called live action strategy. And we actually did it in, in person a couple of times as well. And I, th I think we're going to continue to do it. I've, I've 
told Mark, let's do it on Clubhouse. So we're going to give that a try. Nice. But, uh, yeah, the idea was we don't often get to see other strategists work in strategy and do the job. So we wanted to share that with the um, with the world and kind of make ourselves a little bit more vulnerable because it's it's quite scary putting yourself out there like that um, because you think, oh, you know, I'm not smart enough. Everyone else is going to critique me, critique my work. But we kind of tried to challenge ourselves and push through that. Feeling very vulnerable in that case would be exactly how I would feel. But it seemed to work out. It was a great idea at sort of how you can how you can riff off of somebody else. Yeah, and really showed that if you work as a team, um, it really can make a difference because often most, you know, 90% of our job is often writing those briefs by ourselves. And then when you do get the chance to kind of go back and forth tennis with someone, it really makes a difference. Yeah, it does. And I think that we sometimes we get kind of too precious with our early thinking. And I think one of the things that when I look back on, I think the roughly 60 or so episodes we've done so far on on this show, I mean, the idea of socializing your thinking early uh, with as many people internally as possible that are relevant to it is critical because it can save a lot of time and it can improve your thinking. We're, we're not just lone, lone wolves that sit in a corner and we tend to think we're that way. I think that's a problem that I think you, you've also recognized. Yeah, definitely. Um, uh, I've, I'm of the school of taking a lot like more to the creative uh, director and, and showing the creative brief. Like I write three creative briefs and then work with the creative to work out which one they're feeling. They feel like they could make great work off. Um, I don't ever think there's one answer. So getting other people in the room is going to make you work better and it's a collaborative process. We're also sort of led to believe that there is, that there does need to be a kind of a singularity of thought in our in our thinking, both strategically and in terms of brief. So it's interesting to hear you say that you'd bring two or three. T- tell me, that, was that always the way you thought, or was that more recent thinking? No, I think I think it's more recent thinking, but the it's still singular thoughts. Um, and you know, the way I look at it is um, often I'll, I'll teach the get to buy brief or get who to buy brief. And I'll say a lot of people, when they're starting out with client briefs, they kind of just stuff a lot of things into the brief that they think are interesting or they think the creative will like. But that is not a single, um, what you're doing is putting multiple thoughts in one piece. Right. The briefs are like single thoughts because they're still like a get who to buy is your classic um, kind of problem solution brief type. And what you're trying to do is just make sure that um, who line, which is your consumer problem, and the buy line, the strategy line, are linking up. And so if you've got three or four thoughts, like three or four problems or two problems and maybe one solution, then you're just molding those different briefs out um, to single thoughts, but you're making sure not one brief has multiple thoughts. So do you, when you think about doing three versions, are you thinking about three versions off of one strategy? So sort of three different creative strategy platforms or are you thinking of three different strategic approaches to to sort of approach the same uh, marketing objective? 
So this is an interesting question, Fergus, because I've actually been thinking about it a lot. So I'd love your your thoughts on it as well. To me, I'll, I'll, I'll set it up first for the listeners as well of what I, I think is the get who to buy brief. So the get who to buy problem solution. So the get line is the consumer. The who is the consumer problem. The to is the goal or action. And the buy is the um, strategy. Uh, it's the single often the single-minded proposition or the one action that will help solve the problem. Now, for me, when people say a strategy statement, are they saying when you write a strategy statement, is that the same as a single-minded proposition? And um, is there a difference there? Or is the get who to buy the whole thing the strategy or is it a completely different thing? I'll put where my money currently is sitting is that the strategy statement is the buy statement, the single-minded proposition, which is, um, or the action, which is solving the consumer problem. But I would love to hear your thoughts on what you think a strategy statement is. Well, I think I think a, I think you can have a a you can have a a strategy statement that you feel is a direction for solving a problem, but then you can have multiple creative strategy approaches to how to solve it. And I think that's a constant thing that some planners struggle with is realizing that because there isn't one solution, um, and we always try and force ourselves into being single-minded, that we think there is just one, but there's multiple ways of going at solving the same particular problem. So if, Mm -hmm. if you've got a strategy in mind in terms of a, a positioning strategy, you can come at that creatively multiple different ways in my mind. Do you see it differently? Um, I'm just still trying to work my, my, my head around what it is, but I guess, okay, so um, one example that always springs to mind that I, I really like, and maybe this will help me flesh out where my thinking is, is the uh, Cheetos examples of Cheetos dust right. where um, the, the insight was they had created this new Cheeto popcorn and Cheetos dust on your hands was that dirty red stuff that people, I thought people hated. Like to me, I'm like, oh, this snack's getting me dirty. I'm going to have to wash my hands afterwards. And I thought it was a negative. Uh, what Cheetos did is completely flipped it to show it was a positive. But what the consumer problem they had was, was that consumers were feeling like snack time was getting kind of crunched in. It was this hustle culture of like optimizing every single minute. So actually relaxing and, and slowing down was going away. And so the solution was showing that, uh, that Cheetos was your perfect alibi for doing nothing because when your hands are dirty, you can't help you know, other people or you can't do anything else because all you can do is eat the snack because your hands are dirty. Uh, so to me, Cheetos is the perfect alibi by giving you, you know, giving you Cheetos dust or Cheetos fingers is your perfect alibi to doing nothing. Um, that would be the strategy. And I guess there's multiple ways that you could bring that creative idea to life maybe. Um and so then that that's where the strategy for me ends with the it's the perfect alibi um, by Cheetos dust allowing you to stop doing what, you know. Yeah. Well, I suppose, I suppose before we move on, I mean, I suppose the way I would look at it is you could, you could go the direction of, of using, um, of focusing on the dust as your sort of vehicle for 
for your uh, expressions, right, and for your strategy. Uh, yeah. But you could you could also have gone in different directions. Each could have been easily as viable. And so the question becomes like if you're if you're sitting down with creatives, are you sitting down and saying, okay, there's there's a direction I think we could go that could be really viable and it involves it, it goes the way of dust, uh, or here's another direction that could be equally viable, et cetera. So that's sort of sort of where I'm sitting is saying mm-hmm. you could you can you could either pick one direction and and then put that in front of creatives and say, okay, riff off of that, let's see where this takes us, or you could put two or three different directions. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like you could go off something to do. To me, it could go all the way back to is it something off popcorn? And yeah, yeah. There's definitely multiple directions that I'm I'm giving a creative team and just or a, more. Sorry, it's more probably at the creative director level. But yes, multiple different directions that they would be telling me which one they're resonating with. Tell us briefly about what led you to sort of uh, having the uh, the Planning Dirty Academy. I kind of wanted to create an environment where anyone could learn and, and get access to learning how to be a strategist in the classically trained um, experience. I feel like I've got a good grasp on what the skill set is and what's needed. And it's this, and also with the, the changing uh, role, because my, my experience, I went on to be head of comms planning, which is, you know, a topic that not many people know about or, or, or practice. So I wanted to make sure that I'm covering all the emerging skill sets of a strategist as well. So when you when you were when you were coming up, coming into BBH, how would you define the type of strategist uh, you were at that point? Yeah, uh, I would say I started off as a digital strategist, um, but titles are really hard. What what I would always say and. I said it was a digital strategist at the start because it was all digital projects. But for the first two years I worked at BBH, I made zero piece of work going out. Um, no one looked at BBH as an agency that could make innovative digital work. And so we had an amazing team um, put together, but we couldn't sell the work through. And so after that, I realized that I had a lot of skills in communications planning, which I'd learned at Naked, my first agency. And so I made the transition and that allowed me to kind of get a seat at the table a little earlier rather than the TV script coming out and going, hey, make us the other pieces of this idea. It was allowing me to kind of sculpt it a little earlier. And so, yeah, I'd call communications planning what I did or creative strategy. And it's really um, strategic, bringing strategic rigor to the implementation process is what I always said it was. In that time where you, when you were at PBH, um, were there other sort of what might be called uh, brand strategists or uh, other types of strategists uh, that were that were also in the agency working on clients? And was there friction that was caused between uh, at any time between either uh, you and that strategist, or you felt that you couldn't really do what you wanted to do because there was this sort of uphill friction with people who wanted to just have you guys execute their vision? Yeah, uh, def- definitely. Um, I would say not so much at BBH, but uh, because it had been established and people knew that there was a role, a difference in the role. And the brand strategists loved to write the first brief and do all the research at the start, where I, I was fascinated and, and loved the making of the work and how can we make it as engaging and, and uh, useful as possible. So 
there, it was pretty complimentary and I would work really closely together. Like I had a great relationship when we ended up um, winning PlayStation and working on PlayStation. I had an amazing relationship with the other strategist who worked on that. And we made decks, which were amazing, really bring the creative idea, her amazing thinking of brand strategy and me comms planning together. And it worked so well. But definitely at BBDO, when I worked, walked in there, um, there was a lot of people who were intimidated, thought we were cutting their job in half and taking pieces out. And they kind of, some people felt threatened. So yeah. it didn't always work well. And then you also have people at the media agency who've got the same title as you. And they're like, why are we paying for two comms planners? Um, but we're doing different roles. I think of you as more than comms planning. I think of you at, at the brand strategy level because I think that you're really sort of determining themes that should be working across the entire brand, upstream and downstream. Um, it, it's it seems to it seems to me to label you a comm strategist uh, isn't doing yourself justice. Yeah, I would I would say that. Um... I'm, t- you know, the classic T-shape. Um, my, my, I, I classify myself as a generalized strategist who can work across everything. And now going into strategy consulting, I do both brand strategy and comms planning and can work across the same skill set. And at BBDO, I was the lead strategist on a number of accounts, but my skill set was comms planning. And that um, is how I've been kind of, how I've grown. It's kind of an evolution. I think we don't have many uh, strategists. Most strategists come up through brand strategies, the skill set they learn, and then they go on to be a strategy director and then CSO. We don't have too many paths of comms planners or even digital strategists or UX people coming up and being CSOs over the classic brand strategy remit as well in their in their departments. You come across a lot of planners. Uh, I'm sure a lot of junior planners and a lot of mid-level people who sort of are are a part of the academy. What what do you what do you think is the reason most are approaching the academy versus other sources? I think that they've, there's Shit, not, always not that, not that there's many other sources by the way, and we'll talk about that in a yeah, second. Yeah, I think there's a, a learning a. a willingness and curiosity to constantly be evolving and improving themselves. That, that seems to be the characteristic that I'm seeing the most is that people are just like, I'm here. I know I don't have all the answers and I'm, I want to learn more. So that, that's, that definitely is number one. Uh, I think that everyone, the people who are coming through, people who have had to learn it on the go, the, the job, they've never had that classically trained strategist their CSO who's the you know nurture and the you know Oxford professor style teacher who's just taking them aside and teaching them the fundamentals so I feel like they've been thrown into the role yeah uh, they haven't come from they haven't been in a junior strategist at some well-established uh, you know agency they're kind of learning on the go and they're really wanting to transform and improve their skill set and it's all levels. It's juniors, but I've got a number of people who are head of department who are in there, some people, a lot of freelancers as well. And they're just seeing that they're able to open their skill set up and then also have the confidence that they know what they're doing. And I think that's such a big thing. You, you know, you need to back yourself as a strategist. And a lot of people 
have got that imposter syndrome, you know, imposter syndrome. I had it yeah. where they don't know, they think that they're, you know, they're a strategy fraud or they're not bringing everything to the table. So I think what I do is at least lay the cards bare. I'm like, these are the skill sets that you need. Here's if you if you're missing any of them, let me teach you them. If you're missing comms planning, here I've got a whole 13 lessons on all the different steps. And I feel like it gives people confidence because they know any question that they get, they're gonna have a resource where they can get it answered. When I first started out, I started out as an account executive and I was a bad account executive. And but I loved the work and I loved I loved planning what I knew of planning. So there was, you know, the art of account planning, John Steele's book and others. And you would read that and you you came up with this sense of what the ideal approach to planning was. But then you would take that into an environment, an agency. And I think that there that there that it was pretty easy to get your ass kicked because that wasn't necessarily the way somebody else wanted to do it. It wasn't necessarily the way a brief was written. The definition of creative strategy was different depending on which person you talk to. And the planning department seemed to be different. There was sort of no way, no one way of planning. So, I mean, so how do you deal with that? Do you just sort of, do you feel that your approach to it is something that's been proven out through your experience or do you just, do you have confidence that that's the right way to do it? Or how do you, how do you think about your approach to it all? I feel like I give people a toolbox and you choose what tools you want to use. And I feel like I'm covering what is, what has worked at big agencies. You know, this is, I've been taught by, I think some of the best strategists in the world. And I'm sharing that knowledge with you instead of keeping it closed within those four walls of you know, Madison Avenue. I'm kind of saying that we're opening that up. Here's what works for them. I'm not trying to tell you that it's going to work at your agency, but it's like, if you want to use this, here, here you go. You can use this approach. And this is how a lot of people do it. So the, so the thought is to kind of use those tools and just sort of apply them in ways that work for your shop or for your situation. And, uh, and sort of and sort of plug and play in, in in all of the content as you need to is that the way to think about it yeah i think there's the strategy fundamentals so the way the academy set up is the first module is the strategy fundamentals and that i believe sits the same over everyone it's like what is strategy what is an insight what is a creative brief what's a comp sign so those things are fundamental which i think are the same everywhere then the next 10 chapters deep dives into different sections. So research, insights, creative briefing, comms planning, business strategy, and you take, pick and choose what's relevant for you. The last couple of chapters also, I think are really important, which are all around diplomacy and management, which are the softer skills of planning that we often don't get to as well. And that's what I wanted to do with the Academy was also have a place where people who were at the kind of strategy director and head of department level, there was knowledge there um, of how do you grow a department? What do you do with scopes of work? How do you give people promotions? When do you give promotions? How do you deal with politics? And I felt like no one was writing about that. So I wanted to keep that because I think 50% of the job of a strategist is being good at the core skills. The other 50% is diplomacy, understanding how to navigate an organization and, and a client's organization as well to get the result that you want. So as a member of the Planning Dirty Academy, what do I expect? Is it 
is it um, is it all self-directed content? Is there sort of uh, live events, streaming events, or is it all content that I engage with on the site? Tell us what's the, what somebody should expect if they're going to join. Yeah, so what you've got to begin with is a library of 80 lessons. And so it starts with the fundamentals of strategy. So you will finish that, less, that module, which is I think about 10 to 13 lessons, and you will have an understanding of what a strategist does um, and how they what process they do and the major tools they so work is that with. is that you Julian is there videos that I'm interacting with is it sort of homework I have to read it describe the experience it's it's videos so it's um, 10 minute videos of me describing a different concept and then to go along with that there are um, the decks that are involved with those as well that you can take so you've got access to a Google Drive which has got all the information on it too a private Google Drive with those um, decks. Then there's another 11 modules that goes into equally amounts of uh, information around different parts of strategy. So research really drills down into the clear um, deliverables, like what's the difference between an independent and a dependent variable? What are research sources? What's the weight of different research um, sources? And you kind of go into a lot of detail around that. Then you've got the Facebook community where you can ask any question you like in that community and it'll at least get answered by me. But then you've got another 600, 700 strategists who are in there who'll answer your questions. Then you've got monthly uh, deep dives. So every month we will go and do uh, a deep dive. Any questions you've got, you can ask them there and they, and it's a live session with me on Zoom where we go through all those questions. The final uh, area is also you can send things through what I call um, an anonymous strategy post box where you email me your uh, piece of strategy, your work, maybe a creative brief, and we share it on the Facebook page and you get feedback from the whole group, including me, about that. So that's how it works at the moment. There's also a strategy library, which is all the key resources that I use it all the time. So the 50 frameworks um, that you can steal at any time that have helped me through my career. There's a number of strategy papers in there. There's uh, other templates and tools, data sources, tools, um, planning, how you set up a deck, strategy tools as well. So if I'm a, if I'm a comms planner or comms strategist, uh, if I'm in brand or if I'm social, are there different content paths for for each uh, strategy discipline or are you dealing with the sort of commonalities across disciplines? It's the commonalities, but what it helps you do is go deep on a lot of those sections, other sections. So if you're coming in, and this is what I see a lot, a lot of account people coming in or social strategists coming in, you might know about a certain specific part of strategy but you don't feel like you've got the brand strategy point. You don't know how to run a brand strategy workshop or what are the kind of key frameworks that I know I should know. So there's a whole module on that that will go deep for you on that. And then if you're a brand strategist and you've just grown up with one, you know, strategy director, then there's a whole different, you're going to have the ability to learn from someone else with a whole different skill set. And so I'll teach you about communications planning or, business strategy and show you what are the key points there. It's very sad to think that 
that probably for the last number of decades, nobody's been doing this shit. Nobody has been taking the time to educate people. And, and uh, it's, it's like this mass, massive sort of unmet need that you're doing. And I don't know what, I, don't, I mean, I have theories on why this happened. There was this sort of, it used to be that there were mentorships and training programs and agencies, but I don't, I don't know that it happens anymore at all. So it creates great opportunities for, for people like you. But where, where, do you see, where do you see the bigger organizations, or maybe not bigger, but other organizations such as the FEs, WARC, IPA, IPG, um, where do you, what role do they play? And what, what role do show, what, what roles can shows like, like my show play in, you know, contributing to all this? I, I think you're doing an amazing job contributing as it is like breaking down the strategies of amazing work. It's kind of like how writers rewrite, um, famous works of, you know, famous books because they want to feel how the author wrote that book and, and the words they chose at different moments. I feel like the way you're breaking down and, and kind of showing, revealing behind the curtain of that famous work, that helps immensely. So I think you're doing an amazing job as well with what you're doing on this show. So there's definitely a lot of people sharing the knowledge. I think it's also timing and the technology that's around. It's now for me, uh, the access to be able to set this academy up could have only happened in the last four years. Um, it would have, mm-hmm. there would have been too many bigger barriers to entry to doing it before. So I think it's just a thing of technology and, and time and, you know, who knows what it will look like in 10 years and how we will be sharing it then. I definitely have an assumption of why we got here is because a lot of strategist and and I kind of grew up in this world as well it's like just trust your gut like oh yeah you'll get it you'll you'll learn the swing of things you just trust your gut with you know writing a brief and stuff because what happens is we get into this vicious cycle of that's how people learn and that's how people get up in the career they they just have to learn it themselves and go and and piece it all together and then by the time they you know they've learned it all and they get elevated to strategy director they've learned by themselves and trusting trusting their gut. So when the next junior strategist comes comes along, they've never been given that fundamental teaching or training. So their advice then becomes trust your gut and, and just go with it. I can't explain it. That's just the way it is. And so you start the cycle again of the people, you know, you get to strategy director and you don't know how to, you've never been taught how to teach strategy. So you just tell the next person to do the same. So I yeah. think it's a cycle that just continues. I think I first came across the get to buy, or at least it was labeled that when I first came across it. I came across it like maybe, I don't know, maybe five or six, maybe more than that years ago uh, through, a, uh, uh, through a group in the UK who had published something, a paper, and there was the brief was in there. And I was immediately drawn to it. And then I've heard you use it uh, and talk about it in your work. And I've started to, I started to adopt and use it in my own work. And I love it. It's, it's, there is something about the clarity that it brings uh, and the simplicity that it brings to complex situations that is pretty magical. And um, so let's, let's talk a little bit about where that brief template came from and um, why, why does it work so well? 
So I was introduced because to it's, because it's uh, sorry, to, sorry to interrupt because it's the foundation of of the the Planet Dirty Academy in terms of the the briefing document. It's it is the foundation of of uh, of what you do. Sorry to interrupt you. Yeah. So I was introduced to it at BBDO, but I've heard a number of people say that it didn't start at BBDO, but it's uh, I, I don't know the origin story of where it started, but the reason. Um, I love it so much and, and the reason I've adopted it is the simplicity of it. Now, the, the, the reason I love it so much is it also um, focuses you on changing the business brief or the client brief to the consumer brief because what it does is it, it, it doesn't allow or it tries to stop you from using business language and really get into the, the mind of the consumer. It's a paragraph. It makes sense when you read it out as one uh, one sentence, and it's also it's also brief. It it doesn't allow you to waffle on. Yeah, it's very it's a short paragraph. There's not pages of a document, and you know, two page brief. It's not even a page brief. It's a it's a paragraph. Now that's the one document. It's your leave behind. There's obviously a presentation that goes behind it. And yes, I that's the key suggest- thing, right? Yeah, never suggest just kind of dumping a get who to buy, but at least focuses everything really short, um, makes it short and sharp. There is an easy way to abuse it too. You know, uh, you can be really simple and sloppy with it, uh, which is like, you know, get millennials who, you know, don't know about our product to become aware of our product by showing <laughs> X feature, you know, like everyone yeah. can abuse it and it's easy to abuse, but it's also um, easy to not do that and understand where to, and, and I think in the academy what I try to do is show you great examples and bad examples of why it's been used. And I think that's what I try to do with most of my examples is really flesh out this is the right way to use it, this is a wrong way, and this is why it's wrong, and this is how you can make sure you don't make that mistake. Tell us how people can can get in contact with you, and then what's the what's the uh, uh, what are the various tiers of membership within the academy, and are there tips that you can give people for how they can get their bosses to fund this because it's not a small amount of money. Hmm. So the uh, so you can get in touch with me. Um, I'm on LinkedIn, Twitter. Uh, if you want to find out more about the Planning Dirty Academy, go to planningdirty.com, and you will find out all about uh, what you get in the academy there. And then if you need to make the case to your boss of why this education is important, I've got a whole section there on employee reimbursements where I've got a note, uh, a template of a note you can send, and then a deck that kind of sums it all up. Thank you so much, um, uh, Julian Cole, um, strategy coach uh, for the Planning Dirty Academy. Thanks for taking the time out today, man. Excellent. Thanks for having me. Yeah, we'll see everybody in the next episode.